it's our show, Christy. We can do whatever we want. Let's show them how to do life. Oh, boy. Here it comes. It's like pandemonium, Heather. Okay, so I was thinking. She said what? I think I got it figured out. This is how this to do is life. how to do life. <laughs> I was born for this. I was born for this. I have seen the light. Hey, pretties, it's Chrissy. And it's Heather. And here's producer John. To hype the crowd. Just a quick warning. How to do life with Chrissy and Heather contains elements of real life, nostalgia, silliness, deep thinking, and other nonsense and whatnot. If you are adverse to any of these ingredients, this show may not be for you. So be sure to talk to your doctor and all your friends about how to do life. Let's get into it. Hey, Heather. Hey, Chrissy. How are you, girl? I'm decidedly good. Decidedly good. I've That's decided. Nice. I've decided that I'm feeling good. I like that. It's the only way to roll anymore. I like that. <laughs> Actually, I was just telling you that um, the next episode of Not Quite Therapy, not um, yes, the next episode of Not Quite Therapy, which is our finale episode, yeah. is going to talk about that in some respects in deciding yes. how you're going to be and yeah. what intentions you're going to set. So I love that you're decidedly good. That's yes. very, very nice. Very, very nice. Thank you. All right, well, I want to jump right into it today with the... Now here's part of the show where Chrissy and Heather tell us what to do. Well, might I recommend... All right, might I recommend... Yes? I'm going to fool you. (gasps) Did you trick me? Yes, we're going to talk about that too. Okay. But I'm going to do one first. Might I recommend Taylor Swift's new album? Oh, yes, you did recommend this to me. Yes. And um, you sang some of it. I did on our on our page. Yes. I did I did um, a song with our lovely, lovely <laughs> fangirl, Kyleen. She is a dear friend and also, I think, How to Do Life's biggest fan. Well, I had so much she's fun She's one of our biggest video. fans. Yeah. She is. Well, she's our fan club president. Yes. Mm-hmm. Kind of de Self-appointed. <laughs> <laughs> but she is that. And... Um, yeah, I think that the album is good. So yesterday was supposed to be Tay Day LA. So it was supposed to be oh. the day that my sister and my niece and I were seeing Taylor Swift in Los Angeles at the brand new stadium that no one's ever done a show before. Mm. And it was going to be beautiful and magical. But she dropped a surprise album. Um, oh. So she, like, no one knew this album was coming. Oh, really? Taylor has just been in her quarantine being a little contemplative. And she put out a new album, like... Just, she basically announced it and was like, so it's coming out at midnight. Here you go. And she usually does a lot of promotion and a lot of stuff. And it's a good album. It's um, a bittersweet album, I guess. Mm. There's a, like, and I guess that's the kind of time that we're having. Yeah. And I think that some people believe Taylor Swift to be kind of a pop tart, you know. Um, But she's really grown up a lot and her music has grown up as well and her last i would say the last three albums have been really music for grown-ups and Mm. have been pretty good in fact it's interesting because my daughter is not as into her as i thought that you know what i mean like yeah i mean she likes her like she thinks she's great and everything but you know like the generation older like my my niece is like her mid-20s and she kind of grew up with taylor swift so she likes it and now i'm starting to see a lot more you know old Older, you know, women yeah. in their 40s and even 50s who are starting to like it, which is really interesting. So I have never listened to a Taylor Swift album. Yeah. I know a couple of songs, but yeah. I, I'm not a real album listener, mm-hmm. but I, um, 
And I've always liked the songs that I've heard. And Mm -hmm. when I discover that a song is by Taylor Swift and I liked it, I'm always kind of surprised because I always have her in the category of teeny bop. Right. And I think that um, she's probably done a lot of work to try to start to break that. You know, she went from country to Mm -hmm. kind of pop. Mm -hmm. And now she's kind of like, look, you know, like this isn't just for 12 year olds. You know what I mean? And I think that. It's a good album. It's it's very contemplative, and she's a really good lyricist, and I mm. like lyrics a lot. You know, so she's got some really good lines in there that are that are pretty cool. Oh. I would recommend it. My little one thinks that Taylor Swift is a type of apple. <laughs> what? He asked like a Macintosh. Me, yeah, like he he mixes up Granny Smith. Oh my gosh, with Taylor Swift. That's hilarious. That's the cutest thing I've ever heard. It really is. And he was, I heard him talking to one of his friends on Messenger the other day. And because they, it's like this constant video chat Mm -hmm. happening. Mm -hmm. And um, his friend was eating an apple and he said, oh, I love Taylor Swift apples. (laughs) And I was like, my ears perked up. I was like, what? You're like, what? And um, he's like, yeah. He's like, I like um, Red Delicious and Taylor Swift. Because they're green and they're crunchy and that's adorable. And so I just thought, they're oh, tart. that's so cute. Aww. So I have to like tell him it's they're called Granny Smith, not yeah. Taylor Swift. I'm sure his friend was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do another. Now here's part of the show where Chrissy and Heather tell us what to do. Well, might I recommend. All right, so this one. I tipped you off. Yes, you did. I I'm you off. so glad. It's so great. Everybody, go on your Netflix immediately. I mean, not immediately. Finish the show. <laughs> and as soon as you're done listening to the show, go to Netflix and turn on Love on the Spectrum. Yeah. So Love on the Spectrum. It's like a might I recommend is not even strong enough for how much I want people to go and watch this. It is so, so endearing it's it's required viewing yeah i mean and you know heather i don't know if you know but yesterday was the 30th anniversary of the americans with disabilities act oh really yeah um and only 30 years isn't that crazy yeah it seems like it should be longer yeah it seems like it should be a lot longer (laughs) but um they were showing i actually read an article this morning that was really interesting i will see if i can find it and put it in our show notes um it was about a little girl. She was eight years old in 1990, and they were trying to push um, Congress to put this through. And she was crawling up the stairs to show uh, her and uh, several other people who were wheelchair bound had left their wheelchairs aside, and they were trying to get up the steps of the Capitol to demonstrate how important, you know, mm-hmm. those kind of rights were. I um, saw a reference to that um, in passing, and now, and I didn't know that's what it was about. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's interesting, yeah. and um, and you know, so it's kind of nice and timely that this comes out now. But Love on the Spectrum is about people on the autism spectrum. It's young adults um, mostly that we're chronicling people in their early twenties to mid twenties, um, and they are trying to find someone to share their life with, and they want just the same things that all of us want. Yeah, and it's super super beautiful. Um, so I want to talk today about um, the director's respect for people. Didn't you think it was done really like? Because sometimes people with autism are really funny, like yeah. like unintentionally funny. Mm-hmm. Like they say something so blunt 
and so dry. And it's hilarious. And you could, in some ways, use it as an opportunity to make fun of them. But you could also treat it like... like you did some... There, there's the ahead. opportunity to use it as entertainment value. Yes. And, like... I never felt like they like laughed on the other side of the camera in a way that was anything other than genuinely trying to have an exchange, you know, with that person. I thought that they did a really good job with it. I I noticed that too, and um and I don't know whether or not it has anything to do with the location of the show being mm-hmm. in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not very familiar with Australian culture and you know what what their senses of humor are like and what their um, cultural sensitivities are. And so I didn't know whether that had anything to do with the approach of, of the show. Um, but I did notice that also. I felt very nervous in the beginning. Like, I'm like, if this is good, because I've worked with people with autism my entire adult life. And actually, my very first job, when I was 12 years old, I um, was a gymnastics teacher. It was my first job. I punched the time clock. It was, you know, and one of my first clients was deaf. Um, and she probably was on the autism spectrum, too. I probably didn't know it mm-hmm. at the time. That would have been like 1991. You know what I mean? So it was, you know, but um I've worked with children, most mostly children, although I have worked with some people the ages of the participants on the show, and they're so much fun. They're great. but um, And I'm very protective of them, but also I want them to be treated, you know, as we treat neurotypical people. So I think there's a fine line there. And at, like, the very first episode, I was like, is this going to in any way poke fun you know, and right. and I was really sensitive to it. And I feel like they did a beautiful job of not making it so that it poked fun in any way, you know. Without giving too many spoilers, and I've only made it to see, to episode four. Me too. Um, and I don't know how many episodes there are. I don't are. either. Nope. I, I just kept watching it until I had to stop. Um, you know, one thing that I, I really liked about the show and how they introduce the individual. Should we tell everybody a little bit more about? No, no I think. Okay. Um, I really like how when they introduce new characters, new individuals who are participating in the show, um, that they share what they like and what they dislike. Yeah, that's interesting stuff, isn't it? Because some of their likes and dislikes are extremely narrow. Yes, yeah, very specific. I don't like being chased by chickens. Right. <laughs> this was one of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, um, I love the smell of sizzling Mongolian pork. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. But I mean, we all have specific things like that. You know, when we we might not Yeah, these are just maybe hypersensitized, you know, and and right. a much bigger part of the life of these participants, yeah. you know, like it's something that they think about all the time, yeah. you know. Yeah. And it's it's more top of mind. Yeah, exactly. But I thought that I think that's neat too, you know, and they introduce it and you're just like, "Okay, all right, that's your thing, huh? Interesting." And it's fun to kind of watch cuz they're setting these people up on dates with each other. I will say that one thing I thought was interesting, I don't know if it struck me as good, bad, or indifferent, but I thought was interesting, is they're setting all these people up with other people with disabilities. So nobody through the first four has gone on a date with a neurotypical person. I wondered whether that was um, their wish that they are 
Because a couple of times they've asked, yes. would you like to date somebody who is not on the spectrum or are you looking to, to date somebody who is? Mm-hmm. And so far the responses have been that they want to date somebody who is on the spectrum. Yeah. And so I wondered whether it was their preference Mm-hmm. But I guess we'll see because we haven't watched the whole right, season yet. Exactly. I thought that was interesting. Um, let's talk about the parents and the families <laughs> and the dynamics of the families. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, without sharing too much, um, you know, there is a character named Michael who is Love Michael. one of you know the first people that we meet. And he's his, who you'll meet just on the preview. Like yes, just, just watch yes. the preview, you get to meet Michael. And um and and Michael's mom, um I love. Yeah. I love her. Mm-hmm. I'm she just is um she just she just goes with him mm-hmm. and um She's not pandering at all. No. She's just this is my son, you yep. know, and, and this is how I interact with my yeah. son. And I thought their whole family, like his brother, his mm-hmm. brother gives him the the list of dating tips. Right. And his dad, you know, says, well, gosh, most men wouldn't even think of that stuff, you know. And uh, I, I just think that they are a really warm, wonderful family that you totally see a good example of full inclusion. Like, I don't think that they look at him and see his disability first at all. No, I think that there's there's unconditional positive regard all over the place mm-hmm. in that family. And yeah. you can see that you are just accepted as you are, you know, at that day. And, and, and that's just, I think, part of what makes him so confident in himself mm-hmm. um, and that he doesn't seem to feel like he is... Um, compromising or that he has to compromise in any way. Right. Um, and I think it it seems to me that he has been in a very, very supportive family that has just yeah. loved him. I really like watching the families. Like, it, it, it gets you, definitely. It grabs you. But, when, you know, when they kind of get choked up, you know, about their child and how, how far their child has come. Cause my, I spent most of my career working with very, very young children, you know. Um, and... Our goal is, you know, basically to get them to kindergarten, you know, mm-hmm. and to get them, you know, in as neurotypical a situation as is going to be possible for them. You know, so we don't often get to deal with a lot of these coming of age issues that this program deals with, you know, yeah. finding love and maintaining friendships and, you know, really knowing what to do with yourself after you leave school. Right. And it's quite honestly not something that we do very well as a society yet that we find ways to include and we find ways to, you know, to have meaningful employment for these people and to, you know, find love. And, you know, it takes a lot of supports. And I do think that that's a neat part of the show is that they show those supports and how those, you know, work in. But I like, as I watched it, a lot of those parents were familiar people to me. You know what I mean? Because uh, like the way they, the way they deal with their relationships with their their children with each other with the siblings in the family you know the attention that pulls to the child on the spectrum you know and dealing with some of those issues um, one of the fathers talked about how high the divorce rate is and how they went through such bumps along the way and how they hung in there and made it work so it's a really good look while we're getting to look at these people on the spectrum and and their you know potential budding love lives we also get to see a look inside what a family looks like most of these individuals still live at home Mm -hmm. um or 
you know, close, you know, one, the one guy lived, what, in a cabin yeah. next to his parents' house, mm-hmm. you know, um, and he's in the house a lot of the time, probably eats his meals in there and whatnot. I love him so, too. Yeah, I know. They're just all such, such nice characters, you know, they're so great. One, one thing I think that uh, parents of um, people on the spectrum have um, in common with parents of neurotypical children, and often parents with children on the spectrum also have neurotypical children. Yes. And um, we're all people who are parenting who showed up, mm-hmm. you know, and none of us as, as parents end up getting what we expected. Right. And I think that, you know, we're seeing people who are, um, you know, taking what came in life. And I think that's part of what is so beautiful about the, uh, t- when people talk openly about how parenting has affected their marriages and parenting has affected their own perspectives on life. Um, because in this particular case, you know, they're talking quite frankly about something that was not what they expected. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's plenty of people whose children are neurotypical. They follow the script. They do everything according to the chart when they said, when the chart says that they were going to do it and they go through things pretty easily. Um, and then there are some families that we all know who just seem to just get one knock after another mm-hmm. and um, nothing is is what they expected. And I, I enjoy, um, you know, that that um, commonality of parents who all have to roll with the punches in right. some way. Mm-hmm. I think um, it's neat to watching some of these young adults who have autism um, describing themselves yeah there was a girl and a guy on a date and he says oh I was you know diagnosed when I was 12 and she's like oh I didn't speak until I was seven you know and like they know these things about themselves and they know certain things about their disability and I feel like the family dynamic comes back in because these people have obviously been taught that this is a gift mm-hmm. and this is a cool part of your personality. It's not something, you know, that's shaming. And I think that that is really, really big and really, really cool. Like these aren't kids who are sitting around going, well, what's wrong with me? They're very accepting of themselves. And that's really, really nice to see. I found myself thinking about this show um, after I had had been watching it and just having an appreciation for the bravery mm-hmm. that um, that they show with being willing to document this part of their life. I you thought know, about the parents a lot. Too. Oh, my gosh. It's stressful enough for somebody to go on a first date with somebody without having right. it be broadcast right on, on television. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In most of the dating shows that we watch are heavily fabricated mm-hmm. and and heavily edited for entertainment or or drama and this is not that this is no. pretty raw i mean you you really see that one of the primary characteristics of autism for those in our audience who don't know that is a major deficit in social skills and a major deficit in being able to read the signs on people's faces or hear the inflection of their tone to understand you know, if it's sarcasm or if it's, you know, if they're serious or if they're angry, you know, you, you, they, they have a tough time picking those cues up. And 
they go on some of these dates and when you put two people like that together it's it's very interview style like they've been yeah. taught skills and that's kind of what i used to do i used to teach children friendship making skills mm-hmm. you know so ask questions look for common interests that's all these things that i used to do with my life and it's really really fun and endearing and sometimes a little sad to watch it in application like where they really really falter and they are just really quiet and you don't know how long that silence went on and that's why it's kind of neat to have the director there and have him say do you guys want a break yeah you know and let them you know like and you know the the date that michael went on that was super formal you know like was so great because like and they were both able to articulate this felt too overwhelming it was Mm -hmm. too formal you know and and i noticed that after that the dates were not like they were more more casual and more you know walkabout and i think that i hope that the directors are learning as they go too you know which i thought was neat one date in particular was painful to watch which one sweet sweet calvin Oh, right. Oh, he worked right. so hard learning. Mm-hmm. And when he, um, and it, it was clear that, you know, he had been um, working on, on these skills you know, for most of his life mm-hmm. and that, you know, he practiced a lot. And when he got for his date, um, I was. She blew the script, man. She did not <laughs> follow his cues. And he was so. I loved when he, he sat down and you could see that he kind of like steeled up his reserve. And then he was like, okay, so what are your interests? And mm-hmm. he just went right into what he had learned, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And she did not answer she, his questions no. the way that, that he needed her to. And. I was watching it and, and feeling like my heart was just breaking for him, right? Because it was not going well, right? And I wanted it to. I wanted to fix. Gosh, it. we want this to go well for these people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like they are my own children. Yeah. You know? Like, um, I I thought that it's such a beautiful example too. In in my opinion, of just love is love is love. Yeah. We really all want the same things. All these people want is to love and be loved and to be understood. And isn't that the primary thing? Whether you're neurotypical, whether you have a disability, you want to be understood. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's part of why they felt like they wanted to be with someone else with a disability because they felt like someone will have a better understanding of them. You know, Um, and I, I I thought that it was just such a great example. It's so innocent and it's so it's almost like watching preteens you know, um, kind of as they go through things. But these people are much older. They do have very frank conversation. You know, I'm 27 years old. I've never kissed a woman. I've never gotten to, you know, go on a date before, you know, and like these milestones that people with disabilities want just the same as neurotypical people want, you know, and it's just a fascinating way to be able to jump into it and really look at it. I... I was about to say, and they deserve, I I don't like to use the word deserve often um, because I don't like it. I feel like um, how many of us, who deserves what? How many of us deserve anything? Like, do we really deserve anything? I mean, that's another show. Mm -hmm. But I was about to say they deserve to have this. And instead, I will amend what I was going to say. Um, It is necessary for mm-hmm. everybody right. to have love, to feel loved, to be able to love someone else and have those feelings returned is necessary for our emotional well-being. And so 
Absolutely. Everybody deserves, because it is necessary for human life, to share emotions. Absolutely. Um, I just want to, I'm not, not, it doesn't have to be like a formal soapbox, but just a little, just a little lesson, I guess, for a second. Um, so if, if there are listeners of ours who don't know people on the autism spectrum or who haven't had a lot of experience with this um, or people with disabilities in general, so something that I just want to say as you think through your day is um, person first language. And you're hearing a lot of it on this show today. So we're not saying autistic kids or anything. Um, and we're not calling them kids. And we, so you put the person first. So you say a person with autism. Um, and, you know, you, you make them a human being before you make them a label. And I just feel like that's an important thing to share with our listeners as you go through your life and your days. And maybe as you go watch the show and you want to talk to other people about it, um, that is the respectful and appropriate way to address these human beings. I will join you on that soapbox and say that um, people who have any type of um, difference in the way that they process are not less than. Right. And I think that especially in our school system, many times those students are treated as less than Mm -hmm. um, or asked to stand to the side while we figure out what to do with them. Right. And in my experiences, um, they're not waiting for our validation of them. They're just here to live their life right. with us mm-hmm. because they are one of us. Mm-hmm. They are part of this They're part world. of this community. They're part <laughs> so, of the fabric of like, what's going on here. Yeah. Exactly. One thing that always gets on my nerves when, um, when stigmas and stereotypes of um, people with autism are discussed is the assumption that they that that having a difference in social skills and social responses is somehow interpreted as being antisocial. Yeah. And that's not the same thing. Or unintelligent, I think. I think often, you know, uh, in fact, I think one of the participants mentioned, she's like, sometimes people talk to me like, hi, do you understand me? You know, and she's like, I I understand you. I speak English. (laughs) Like, like. It's a good show to understand that, too, that like some of them, some of the people on this show, if you were having casual conversation, I don't think that you would know. And several of them say, you know, oh, people tell me you don't look like you have autism. And they're like, what does someone with autism look like? Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that, that that's really neat. And because people with autism, yes, they tend to have social deficits that tends to sometimes make them unfiltered. So you get real raw honesty. I love that. And it's, it's very endearing. And truly. refreshing. Yeah, like, and sometimes it is funny, like for someone to be so blunt. Like I remember a little boy that I used to work with. Um, he was about 14. And we were really working on like friend making stuff, you know, whatever. And we sat down one day and he's just totally distracted just totally like i'm like what's up man his name is alex i'm like alex what what is the problem today and he's like you know you wore a ponytail and i just don't care for it <laughs> like he could not get on with his day because he hated my ponytail you know like and he needed to tell me that he hated my ponytail and i'm like do you want me to take my hair down alex you know and he's like yeah that'd be you you would look a lot better that way <laughs> and i'm like okay you know, so and then we could move on with our day. But you know what? Like, obviously, that's not particularly nice to tell someone you don't like their ponytail. But it's also 
it, it was distracting you and it was ruining your day. And I can empathize with you and your, you're just a person who's just going to say this, you know, and uh, look, fine, you know. <laughs> I love that type of refreshing honesty. Mm-hmm. You know, not everything needs to be said, but I appreciate and enjoy having conversations with folks who are um who who kind of just lay it out there. Mm-hmm. Um because I I feel like life is too short to beat around the bush. Like right. let's just hash it. Like let's just put it out there and do this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I I appreciate having conversations with people who who just put it out there. <laughs> I think I think I've recommended this movie before, but I'm gonna we're just gonna recommend everything today. Yeah, yeah. Um, I there's a movie called The Invention of Lying. Oh yes, with Ricky Gervais. Yeah, um, and. The characters don't have autism. It's just based in a world where no one has learned to tell a lie yet. Mm -hmm. And it's terrific. (laughs) It's terrific. Like, there's a scene where Jennifer Garner, Jennifer Garner, I think it is. Um, It might not be her. I'm terrible with my face blindness. (laughs) That's who it is in my head. I don't know if it's actually her. Um, But the uh, woman that he's dating, she's like, well, I had a better time than I expected to, you know, based on the fact that you have a little pig nose and you're a little bit um, <laughs> unattractive. But, you know, I'm, I'm definitely out of your league, but I had more fun than I thought I would. So <laughs> it's been nice, but I'm not going to let you kiss me and um, let's move on with our day. You know, and and uh, I mean, that's not nice, but it is a little funny sometimes. And it is like, well, let's get right down to it. Right. You know, And people with autism sometimes display similar characteristics to that. And they'll just tell you. <laughs> Exactly what they think. Um, I it reminds me of an episode of Friends when mm-hmm. Rachel goes for a job interview, and they do all of the niceties that you do when you're having a job interview, and then the lady says, "Okay, well, we'll be in touch," and she says, "I don't have a chance, do I?" And the lady says, "No, no, <laughs> no." Like, okay. <laughs> yeah. What if we were all that? Like, and that's why I think people with autism are really neat because they have special skills and special characteristics that make them not superior not like but they have cool qualities that we can learn things from you know that are 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 pretty neat you know and what if people were more honest what like what would the world be a little like with less bullshit in it shit i would like that i would like less bullshit in the world i know like so bullshit. yeah i mean it is a just a great show and it's all i wanted to talk about today <laughs> well it has not escaped my notice that most of um, okay, so I might have to put a word, uh, an asterisk nest next to most because I'm just making this up with words that are in my brain right now. I haven't verified this, but many of the people whose brains have changed the way that we see things, have changed the world, have been the big thinkers that we have in our minds like Albert Einstein, like Da Vinci, mm-hmm. like... Thomas Edison, like, you know, Galileo. When we look back at historical accounts of interactions with these people, probably we're on the autism spectrum. If they were alive today, we may get out the diagnostic model Mm -hmm. and assess them as being on the autism spectrum. Right. And I think that, that we can't skip that. Those types of people will continue to exist for all of eternity. And they're here yeah, for a they reason. they always have. 
you know, we autism is a fairly new label. People with autism prior to around 1980 would have been labeled as mentally retarded. Exactly. Um, and then that label fell out of fashion, you know, and we came up with autism. And autism's always changing, too. Mm-hmm. Um, there used to be mild, moderate, severe autism. And then we'd have Asperger's, and we had all these different things. And then they kind of did away with Asperger's, and they just made it all a spectrum. And it is a spectrum, and it looks different. There are some characteristics that are similar, and that's why it became a label, you know, right. but um, but there are major differences in, in these people, too, you know, and it's just people are people, love is love, and it's definitely worth a watch. I really highly, I've never recommended something on this show more than I recommend this. I agree. As I was watching it, I was texting many friends telling them they needed to watch it. Oh, I love that. Yeah, and I think for me, it's also very close to my heart. It's what I did for a long, long, long time, you know, and it's and it, I like watching these adults be successful, mm-hmm. you know, and that's it, it, just really touching to me. I think mm-hmm. it's really cool. So that's pretty much, that's that's going to be our show today. we got to get off of here so that you guys can go start watching Love yes. on the Spectrum. And we want to hear your thoughts on it. We want you to go on the Facebook page, please. Go on the Instagram and tell us what you think about Love on the Spectrum. Let's have a conversation about love. Let's have a conversation about the spectrum. And let's have a conversation about how we encourage that and treat each other beautifully. Yes. Until next time. Don't forget to tell them where to find us. Yeah, tell us what you learned. We're on all the things. For those of you looking to increase your dosage, connect with Chrissy and Heather on Facebook and Instagram and tell us how you do life. Visit ChrissyandHeather.com. That's with a C-H-R-Y-S-S-Y. Like, share, and subscribe. And tell everyone you know. Until next time.